Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Well, the Wellbeing Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Lungo, coming to your ears from NARM, Melbourne, Australia. Let's learn together. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Doing Well. And on this week's episode, we are talking about the power of curiosity in education, examining how fostering curiosity can promote well-being in students. And our guest today is um, from um, a very different location. I'll get her to introduce herself in a little bit. Uh, but uh, we have um, a sort of a psychologist um, slash educator enthusiast, uh, something like that in the room, I guess, um, from the look of her background. Um, so we have in our virtual studio today, Ning Xing Chong. She is a registered psychologist with the Singapore Register of Psychologists, SRP, and has more than a decade of experience working with children and adolescents with developmental delays and or special educational needs. Um, so I kind of see you as a as both a psychologist and an educator because, you know, you're kind <laughs> of guiding um, young people through their, their journey. So, yeah, I guess in a way that's kind of like, you know, like very similar to an educator, <laughs> right? Yeah. So thanks for being here and joining us today virtually. Um, I'm so glad we could make this happen. Um, Thank you for inviting yeah, and I think it, it'll be fun for, for us to hear a bit more about your journey because, you know, I, I, I have your bio in front of me and I said, you know, it's really detailed. It has a lot of information. You've done a lot of work in this area. Um, so I'm curious, first of all, how did you get here? And second of all, why did you choose this line of work? That's a good question. I actually... How I end up here today wasn't what I planned to initially. <laughs> like when I was an undergraduate, I did something along the line of Chinese language studies. Okay. And then um, when I went to it, I figured out, ah, oh, that was way too hard for me. So I went to explore different things. So at that time in my university years, I had the opportunity to kind of explore different core modules before I decide what to major in. So I went with like communications and new media psychology, you know, like Japanese studies, all sorts of things. And then I figured, you know, when I did psychology, I was like, I think this is the one. And that's how I got into psychology in the first place. And after that, um, I know psychology has so many different themes and components, right? Um, but all along, I've been really keen or interested in working with children. Yeah. So when I completed my third year in psychology, I actually had the opportunity to do an internship with one of the government uh, agencies. And at that time, they were working with um, children, children who had went through traumatic experiences before. And when I actually went in there to observe and see what the psychologists there were doing, that really inspired me. I knew like, okay, this is the line I want to be in. And that's how I ended in kind of this line working with children. Yeah. So I started off after graduation, I started off my journey as actually more like a therapist, uh, ABA therapist. Yeah. At that time, I was working with children with autism spectrum disorder um, for a good maybe two to three years. And then I figured that, I think I need to learn more. <laughs> There's so much more to learn out there. And that's when I left. I joined another organization. At the time, it was like a voluntary welfare organization in Singapore. So I joined there and I got exposure to a lot more other children with needs and difficulties there. And then I decided, okay, time for my master's. And that's just how I got here in the journey. So I've been working with children because I really enjoy working with them. They are so pure, so innocent and very fun to be with. And from the journey itself, I grew within the line, within a field of special education. I start to also look beyond it in terms of the children, the mainstream children in schools. Um, 
working with them in terms of their learning, maybe even those who are on the spectrum, those who has attention deficit hyperactivity disorders. And so far, I've been enjoying my journey, not looking back since I started it. So that's where I did today. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think it's uh, it's really good to hear stories like yours because it's kind of like that's basically doing life, right? You just figure out what you sort of think you want to do. And then you're like, oh, actually, I don't want to do that. I want to do this. Um, so, yeah, that's that's really beautiful to hear. Um, and uh, just be a little bit more to be a little bit more curious. Why children specifically? Well, I don't know. I think they make me stay young, you know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to just like interacting with them. And I think when I work with them, I learned a lot about myself also. Like how in the process I cultivate patience. I also learned to appreciate the little things in life. I mean, now where I am, I'm quite far from my childhood days, right? So sometimes I think we forget things that are really like these small things that are that make them just really so happy but we neglect them as we grow older so i from them i learned to appreciate the little things in life as well yeah mm. yeah wow i love that that's yeah. lovely so to it's hear not, it's like it's not just me gaining from the yeah. experience working with them actually i gain a lot from them <laughs> yeah yeah wow that's that's great because yeah. i think it's 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 the reason why we choose the work that we do, right? And when, yeah. when we interact with certain people, um, obviously uh, in any kind of, any line of work, you would work with people and you would help them to a certain extent. Um, but you always learn something by helping others. And I think that's that's the beautiful thing that you particularly, you know, learn from children when you're working with them and young adults, mm -hmm. um, I would say, adolescents, as I see that you also work with them. Um, so, yeah, that's really good to hear. And I guess that's why you're the perfect person to talk about promoting <laughs> well-being in students because you understand, you know, this kind of audience. And um, I think... It's important in, in education because I remember my school days, obviously, it was not really a thing to talk about well-being in students. You know, it's just like, you got to get the grade, you got to do the exams, you got to behave and do well. And in fact, it was kind of, because I'm, I'm from, originally I'm from Vietnam and education there is very different from Australia. And when I moved here, I was kind of like, oh, wow. Like, you know, I just talked to a few um, younger friends who, who go to school or uni and then they just talk about how their education experience goes. And I'm kind of like, wow, that's pretty cool because we don't have such a thing in Vietnam. It, you know, it's just mainly about performance and doing really well in school. And I think that's where it gets kind of tricky to understand different types of behavior, different types of people. And also, because when you're younger, it's kind of like, oh, the student in here are being categorized by the teacher in so-and-so way. And th that means they are good or bad because of whatever criteria the teachers were saying. But I've grown to know that there's so much more to it, especially when it comes to their, you know, their background, their, uh, you know, mental capacity, uh, emotional health, mental health issues. So much can go on in, in you know, young people's lives. And I think it's a continual learning process. So I hope that with today's episode, our audience can learn more about that too, because we stay, you know, as adults, we kind of stay disconnected from this audience um, quite a bit. And we interact with young people all the time. And so it's a matter yeah. of, you know, continually understanding that so we can engage with them in a meaningful way. Um, it's not just from school, I guess, you know, it it's also from the adults surrounding these young people. Yeah. Okay, we'll talk about that very soon. I'm excited to talk about that. I love and I'm very passionate about education, um, which is why I do the work that I do. So I'm keen to talk about that some more with you. But before we do that, we have a section called Have You Met Ningxing? So we're going to get um, to know you a bit better through some of your recommendations. The first thing we always ask, my favorite question is, what is a book you would recommend? Oh, I love Dan Brown. So I always go to Da Vinci Code when people ask me this question. Yeah, okay. I just love him. The amount of creativity he has, you know, to and the amount of research he has done to write that book. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's like a it's like a different universe in itself. Yeah. It's yeah. Just... It's really fascinating for sure. Uh, that reminds me, I should read that again sometime. It's been a while. <laughs> um, okay. What about a movie you would recommend? Oh, 
Inception. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually yeah. have not watched that movie. It's been on my okay. list for so long. Okay. Yeah, you I know. Really catched it. Yeah. Yeah, everyone has watched it pretty much. And I'm the only one. Like, I feel like I'm the only person on this planet that has not watched yeah. Inception. <laughs> so I, yeah, I really need to get onto that. Um, okay, you are our current podcast guest today. Um, but I wonder which podcast you would recommend to our audience. Well, when you, when you mention podcasts, I think that's too many options out there for me to really mm-hmm. pick or choose. Um, but more recently, I've been into more like my spooners kind of thing. So I need podcasts. It's a, it's a really convenient way to actually listen to it and practice mindfulness. Yeah. So anything mm-hmm. mindfulness related as of now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love talking about mindfulness. Actually, on this show, we mentioned mindfulness pretty much on every single episode or every other <laughs> episode because, you know, it's about well-being, such a big component of well-being. Yeah. Okay. Um, who is your role model? Now, this could be a famous person or it could be your personal role model. It doesn't have to be a famous person. Um, when you ask this question, the, the person that comes to my mind is definitely my mom. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, sweet. I think. Yeah. And I think she's a person that I personally has learned a lot from. Like she's not um, highly educated, but she comes across as this wise woman, very resilient very hardworking and very loyal. So I think um, I, I've learned a lot from her, you know, how I I don't see challenges as like, you know, really terrible setbacks, you know, like how I can try despite the circumstances I might be in. Yeah, so it has to yeah. be her. Ah, <laughs> oh, beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I'm sure yeah. she'll be so happy to hear this when she <laughs> listens to the podcast. Um Okay, final question in this part. What is a course you've completed that left a really strong impact on you? CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. Yeah, yeah. so I did that last year with uh, one of the company, uh, one of the organization in Australia. Yeah, so it was oh. more like virtual kind of um, workshop or training going on. Okay. And it involves like the actual role plays, you know, doing it in front of the supervisors and getting feedback from them. That was, that left a, left a big impact on me because other than learning from uh, people from other uh, nationalities, I do learn a lot about myself as well because I'm personally someone who tends to be a bit more anxious. So when it comes to this kind of situations that I have to be, you know, put myself in front of other people, it's nerve-wracking yeah mm-hmm. but um through the course itself I learned not only how I can help my clients how I can help myself too so that has um to be um one of the cause that I not only has has not only has helped me to grow my knowledge but also grow personally as a person yeah yeah oh beautiful and which organization is that CBT Australia oh Wow, very yeah. cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm curious because I don't know much about the psychology in Australia. I'm, I'm getting into psychology more and more nowadays. Like, you know, re- I realize I read so much on it, especially because I host these podcasts. Yeah. Uh, I talk about it and then I realize, oh, actually, I consume a lot of psychology contents without knowing that it's psychology contents. Because it's not, you know, like nowadays contents are everywhere and it's not really labeled psychology content. So, yeah, interesting. Okay. Thank you for sharing. And now we've got to know you a bit better. Let's talk about today's topic um, and um, the power of curiosity in education. So I think this is a very fun topic to talk about because curiosity, it's not just in education, but it's powerful in all settings. Um, However, today we're talking about that, particularly in education. Um, I think it's a really interesting topic for me because to me, like I struggled my whole education. I had always been a really good student, but I was never curious. I see. I was a little bit of a teacher's pet. So I got really curious later on in life when I, you know, went to um, uni and did my undergrad and I was kind of started to think, uh, what do I actually want to know? Because previously it was just kind of like, oh yeah, like these are the things that you have to learn and you're going to have to sit these exams. And I have this massive pressure of having to be a good student that I didn't have that curiosity. Um, And yeah, like it's a continually evolving process you know you you're gonna learn your whole life right so I find that to be something that 
we can all explore even as adults, um, maybe to compensate for our childhood, maybe to pay it forward, maybe to help the young people around us. Um, but yeah, it's it's a powerful thing to think about when it comes to our well-being as well. Um, and especially, you know, in, in this day and age, um, I, I guess we've got a few episodes on this show where we cover like different angles of curiosity and, and its role in, in well-being. Um, and today we'll talk about that particularly in the context of education. And I think um, we'll, we'll learn a few things about the current life of uh, students nowadays. I've, I've been disconnected from it for quite some time. So, you know, this will be a nice chance for me to reconnect. Before we talk about that particular bit, uh, obviously the show is about well-being. So I wonder what your take on well-being is. What does well-being mean to you? Um, well, it's a good question. Like my first thought when you asked me that was more like, um, I kind of link it to this feelings of contentment, you know, like feeling good about where I'm in life, feeling that life is purposeful. So that's yeah. that. But when I think a little bit more about that, I start to think about this concept I call balanced, you know? So I feel like well-being is also like a balance uh, and and not like things on a, on the extreme. So it it's a balance of like your emotional well-being. It also involves your physical health, you know, involves your mental health. So I see it more like a balance and this balance can be subjective. Yeah. Mm, yeah, totally. I hear you. I think it's, uh, it's a really good word to choose for well-being because uh, my one of my mantras in life is balance is key. And one of the things that I've learned in, in the recent years and re especially the, the past few months is balance vary. You know, like each season in life has a different kind of balance. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, like the, the balance right now for you might be, you know, like I want to live purposefully. I want to, you know, like really uh, love what I do, uh, really want to work on my physical health. At other seasons in life or at another time, it could just mean I just want to go about my days feeling peaceful. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. So I think it's it's a really nice word because it's it means it doesn't mean one thing. It means different things at different points yes. in, in time for your well-being. Um, so you work a lot with young people and I'm sure you have your own observation when it comes to, you know, adults as well. Um, but obviously each person understands well-being really differently. And for that, you know, sometimes we see it in the wrong light, um, simply because we get a lot of influence, right? So what do you think to be some of the biggest misconceptions that people have when it comes to well-being? I think, um, and I, I think I'm guilty of this as well, like when you mentioned the word well-being, my first thought is like, oh, positivity, positivity, positive emotions. You get what I mean? Yeah. But well-being isn't just about positive emotions, honestly. Yeah, it's also about how we respond to maybe negative situations or negative emotions that come up, you know. So it doesn't necessarily, well-being doesn't necessarily mean that we need to feel happy all the time. So I think that's a misconception people might have. If I'm not happy, then I'm not well. That's not true. Yeah. So well-being is always, like I've mentioned earlier, a balance. And it can include positive emotions, but it can also include negative emotions. But what's important here is how we respond, how we get back out when we experience these negative events. Yeah. So that's mm. one thing I think that can be commonly misperceived. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, this is something that we talk about on, on this show pretty much all the time, um, that a sense of well-being doesn't mean that everything is great. Everything is amazing. Everything is positive, yes. but it's more so, you know, things can be good or they can be not that great right now, but you can manage yourself to bring your well-being up or just to kind of manage your well-being in a way that you can um, find that balance for yourself, right? Yeah. Going right back to the word balance. Um, because a, a lot of the times when we don't feel a sense of well-being, we kind of feel like, oh, like I feel out of balance. I feel a little off. Um, those are the ways that we would sort of explain, you know, how our well-being feels um, at different moments in time. So yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, it, it's a nice reminder because it's a culture of a lot of good things. And yes. if it's not going well, then, you know, like there's nothing to celebrate. And I don't think that's true. Yeah. Really good. 
Okay, so now let's talk about curiosity and well-being and the context of education. Obviously, there's a lot of words here. So, uh, you know, <laughs> we can anchor our um, conversation on a few words. So, you know, we, we can bring ourselves back to the topic. Um, so let's anchor ourselves in curiosity because that's the main thing that we want to touch on today. Yep. How would you define curiosity? So when I think about curiosity, I can visualize this person or this student that asks a lot of questions, you know, <laughs> which sometimes can be overwhelming for teachers. Yeah. But uh, it's this person who's really like hungry for knowledge, but yeah. they don't necessarily really feel like they're hungry for knowledge. They are just really keen on pursuing learning about new things. They get really excited or enthusiastic about learning new things. And they are also very open to exploring. So, you know, sometimes um, curiosity can be, can involve some level of risk-taking, <laughs> you see, but they are so open to learning, open to explore that they are not fearful of the uncertainties. Like they feel like learning in itself is um, so great that it overcomes any risk that you have to take. Yeah, it's much more than any risk. So that. It's how a security city, someone who really enjoys learning, but who's also hungry for knowledge. Yeah, just want to explore and they enjoy that process of doing so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think this applies to just not in in school, but, you know, in, in real life context too, right? Yeah, the... the the ability to ask questions because you truly want to know, like you're open to new ideas, you want to take in new knowledge. And I think that's something that, you know, I mean, students, are young people, not not just students, but young people are good at that. But also we're, we're talking about students today. And I have to say students can vary in terms of, you know, their age. Uh, we have very young uh, students and obviously we're talking about like the K to K-12 system um, of schooling and then we have undergrad but then we also have postgrad students who start you know maybe early in life like I started really early with my master's but then I also met people in their 40s and their 50s who started to pursue their master's when I was studying and I was like they still have that curiosity that's great yeah. and you know like because life's very different it, it ranges from um I don't know, like it's simple life of a student who is young and living with family to um, a, a student who's working, right? So we're talking about education. It's it's not like just the young adult um, audience, obviously. Uh, so we'll try to be as inclusive as we can in this uh, conversation. But I know that your your work is mainly in, in working with young um, young people. So how does this curiosity that you just defined contribute to students' well-being, um, you know, particularly young young adults? I think the most direct link here would be, you know, if a child enjoys learning, they don't like going to school. They feel positive about going to school. So that's yeah. the most direct link that we see. But if we think about curiosity and what it brings about, is this like uh, enthusiasm to learn, and when they do it, they're actually enjoying the process. If you think about that, it actually takes them much less effort to you know, engage in learning, participate in learning activities because they are just interested in it. To them, it's not like a task or a chore. It's just like, I love, it's something I love doing. So they just participate in it and they will ask a lot of questions. They get really involved and engage in it. So ultimately, it also leads to better performance in school better learning. Yeah, but we can also look at curiosity, not just within, you know, the academic performance kind of region. Like we can also think about curiosity in terms of how it helps us in our social relationships. This is also linked to well-being, you know, like when someone is curious, they tend to think more differently about things. So when maybe disagreements happens or things that didn't go so well to their plan on other people has got different ideas from them, they do not get upset over that. Instead, curiosity invites them to think and ask themselves questions. Oh, why is it that they would think this way? And they would be able to explore other people's perspectives about things as well. And ultimately, I think it doesn't just help with your academic performance. It helps with how you actually connect with other people in your environment as well. Yeah. So your friends, you know, your teachers. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It, it's not just about the academic knowledge, but yeah. it's an extension of how you carry yourself and how you interact with other people. Um, and 
for example, in, instead of um, judging a fellow student or a friend, um, a, a young person or a student can uh, get curious to try where uh, try to understand where that person's coming from, especially yeah. in work, group projects. Like that, that's where a lot of misunderstandings lie, and you know, lots of fights happen. Um, so yeah, I think understanding one another is super important. Um, so you know, obviously, we talked about the fact that it's going to be very beneficial for um, each student to have that curiosity so they could go into the educational setting um, with a an open mic. And, and that leads to, you know, lots of positive changes. And overall, it's just a, a sense of balance. Again, I'm using the word balance again, right back to your definition. <laughs> Lovely <And>, word. <laughs> uh, yeah, enjoying the sense of balance when they, when they are learning new things, when they're studying, um, even in stressful times like exams and things like that. Um, but we also probably need to talk a little more about um, the growth mindset in student because it's not just that curiosity. Um, and the curiosity here extends to that growth mindset in, in students because young people, um, especially the, the young adults um, that we are talking about today, they are the most uh, easily influenced audience when it comes to, you know, like shaping their personality, what they want to do in the future. Um, and, you know, what they are going to do in the future is going to dictate how our future would be like, you know. Um, so I, I, I want to understand how can and how does curiosity promote this uh, growth mindset in students? Because it's probably going to help them to embrace challenges with enthusiasm, right? You know, like different stages yeah. in their um, educational um career, let's say, would, would have different things that they have to encounter and tackle, right? So how does that relationship work in this scenario? Okay, so we have curiosity, which is like our desire to learn. And we've got growth mindset, which is the belief that you can learn, you can improve things, you can improve your intelligence, and you can learn new skills. So when I think about curiosity and what it actually facilitates, I think about, you know, this idea of they like to explore different ideas, you know, exploring different ideas, it encourages creative thinking, it also encourages critical thinking. So essentially, if I look at curiosity, I think they build up this foundation in an individual whereby our focus, our emphasis is on the process of learning rather than just what what we learn out of it. It's not about the what, but more of the why, you know. They ask a lot of the questions. It's this kind of process that they go through. So if I look at a, a child who has a lot of curiosity, who is like asking a lot of the questions, who is focusing on the process of learning itself, I know that when they encounter challenges, when they face setbacks, they wouldn't necessarily be like taken aback by that. It's part of their learning style. You get what I mean? It's part yeah. of their learning style. It's like, oh, this is the way I learned. And it is it is a normal way to learn. And part of learning is making mistakes. Part of learning is finding out what you don't know, you know? So they just keep on exploring. So this curiosity actually kind of prepares your brain for those challenges ahead. So uh, I, I don't know what I mentioned this earlier. I don't think I did. But, you know, like when a person is curious and you enjoy the process, our brain actually kind of produces this kind of few good chemicals called dopamine. So essentially, yeah. it really prepares your brain for learning. So and they tells you that learning, did the child already know through his style of learning and everything that learning involves not just getting correct on all the questions. It involves asking questions. It involves exploring. It involves like making sense of things that you don't already know or things that conflict with what you already know. So when they encounter challenges, they don't uh, they don't see it as a sort of their felt in, in the things they're doing. I, they see it more as like, oh, now is my opportunity, my chance to learn more. And yeah. that's how the growth mindset, you know, kind of come about as well. Yeah. Yeah, mm, definitely. I think it's a really good point because um, I used to be one of those students when I encountered setbacks back in the day when I didn't do well on a test or an exam. It's kind of like it's the end of the world. And now <laughs> that I look back on it, I'm like... That is so not how it works. <laughs> it was just like my mindset when it was time for me to be in school was completely wrong. And, you know, well, there's nothing wrong with that because now I know no. better. Um, but I, I wish I had been told that um, when I was in school, um, that curiosity helps, that 
growth mindset is a thing and that academic records sometimes don't mean much in the real world. And, you know, I never knew any of that. I was just so focused on acing those tests. And if I didn't ace the test, then it's the end of the world. And, you know, it's really sad. And I wasn't sure what I'm going to do in the future. Um, and I even got into one of the best universities in Vietnam and I was just miserable there. I didn't, I didn't learn what I wanted to learn. I didn't have the environment to thrive. Um, and I do believe that the environment matters, right? We're not just talking yeah. about individuals. We're talking about the environment too. And if the environment is not nurturing that curiosity or that growth mindset, it's also um, quite tough. So I, I, I think it's kind of uh, two sides to the coin. We talk about how a young person or an individual needs to cultivate that. But I, I think we also should cultivate the environment. And if schools fail to do so, you know, the home environment really matters in dictating, okay, I, are we going to talk about curiosity at home? Are we talking about growth mindset? Are we just talking about grades and exams? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think environment definitely plays a big part in it. Like everything about how we grew up to be who we are today, you can probably link some of those attributes that you gain back to certain situations yeah. that you've experienced, certain people that you have kind of worked with or interacted with. So environment definitely does has a big part to play in terms of cultivating curiosity, I would say. So uh, I think more recently, I think that's this um, professor Dr. Hamilton, she actually talked about four factors that influence curiosity. So it can be easily remain remembered by the acronym FATE, which stands for fear, assumption, technology, and environment. Yeah. So when I think about all this, right, I, I think about, you know, how um, there's, there's this proverb that just came to my mind whenever I talk about curiosity. They always say curiosity killed the cat. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when yeah. I when I think about this, it's like if a child grows up in an environment that really keeps talking about this proverb and he really, he or she really believes in that, then that's going to kind of stifle his curiosity. It's going yeah. to think that oh, it is dangerous to do that. So I feel like that you're right. Environment does play a big role in this. The environment that they are in, for example, parents or teachers, they need to cultivate this idea that mistakes are not necessarily a bad thing. There's a lot of times somehow people tend to associate mistakes with some things that are bad or they are terrible, you know. So these can't affect the way that children see curiosity or even adults see curiosity because this these things that we learned from young get reinforced over the years. And even as adults, I believe there are people who hold this mindset as well, who continue to think, think this way. So definitely the society ways of looking at things, the environment way of looking at things will affect um, how you view curiosity itself as well. Yeah. So like I mentioned that for acronym, F-A-T-E, that acronym, the four letters, F-A-T-E. I think technology is another one that does um, affect, influence the way um, curiosity works. And I see technology as kind of like a double-edged sword here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah because it's so easy to get information now. So sometimes yeah. people might think that, that you don't necessarily need to be curious, you know. But on the other hand, technology actually opens our minds to a lot of things, open our eyes to a lot of things out there that we don't already know. So I think uh, depending on how your environment cultivate this idea of curiosity and how you use the technology, it can very much affect on your view of what is curiosity, how can, uh, why is curiosity important? Yeah, yeah definitely. And, you know, the environment that we talked about, right, it's not just um, the, the school environment, the home environment. It extends to culture. It, yeah, extends, well, it extends to the, the local area, the country that, that, you know, we're in. And so I'm curious about the different, you know, cultural and societal factors that could impact um, our curiosity or, you know, let's say to be more specific, students' curiosity so, <laughs> so I'm in Singapore, so I'm definitely def more familiar with the culture in Singapore. So I think if we think about the culture in Singapore, I do think that some of the things that we practice does kind of like put a stop to curiosity. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like we have been taught that, okay, you know, we just follow what we are told to do. You know, we, we 
shouldn't really like questioned, you know, you know, so I think some of these things, how we are brought out, you know, these factors does impact us, like uh, in the sense of all along since we were young, how we were taught to learn things that can affect. So not just in like the educational settings, in your own environment, in your community, how you are being taught um, these factors or, you know, affect how you view curiosity. And I think in Singapore, a lot of times we are brought up in a manner that um, we're just listening to our elderly because we are more like collectivistic kind of culture. Yeah, I mean, it's a mix actually. There are some more individualistic, some more collectivistic. Yeah, but if you are come from, coming from those environments whereby you are, you are being taught that you need to listen to your parents, that's one. You shouldn't question what they say. So this kind of learning over time, I think, does affect curiosity in a certain way. Or like you just need to do what you're being told to do. Yeah, all yeah. these factors definitely do play a part. Yeah. yeah. But I think the good thing is fortunately now, I think the society is steering towards more of the direction that giving it the children, you know, more say in the things that they do. While in the past, it was a bit more like strictly, you do what I say you should do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just so fascinating to me because um, before I moved to Australia, I did a little bit of teaching. I taught English before I moved here. So I got to work with students myself, right? And I sort of, to be very completely honest, I sort of brought my own trauma onto them in a way because I wasn't aware of that. And this is not something, I don't think, I'm not sure how the education um, system works now, but I don't think it's, um, clearly pointed out, especially for people who play such crucial roles like educators, teachers, uh, professors, that it's really important to be mindful of the way that you bring knowledge onto those students and, and, and the young children. And so initially, you know, in that in that journey, I was kind of like, of course you have to learn this. English is important. You have to. Why are you not doing your homework? And there was no curiosity on my part back in the day where I recognized that students are different and, and they like different things. And then slowly through that journey, because um, I did that, I think, for six years. And so, you know, the first few years I was kind of like, yeah, like I just brought my own trauma onto them. And I feel horrible about that now thinking about it. <laughs> But later on in the journey, I started to realize that, you know, these young people come from very different places um, and the culture that we are in, particularly in Vietnam, it means that you need to listen. You're not supposed to ask if you're if you're a student. And that is where they get scared because I used to be one of those people. Like I was afraid. I was afraid to ask questions. I was afraid to make mistakes. That's why I had no curiosity. I just wanted to abide by the book so no one would yell at me. Or no one would, you know, call me out in front of the class. I just want to be invisible. I don't want to be, <laughs> you know, picked on all the time. And so later on in that journey, I realized, I reflected on my own journey. I started to have a bit more self-awareness then. And I realized, oh, you know what? Maybe these students don't want to learn English because they like other languages. I had a student who loved Korean all she wanted to do was to study in Korea and she does not really care for English. She's quite good at it. And her mom really wanted her to excel because that would help her to get into a really good university. But she didn't really care for it. She just really wanted to learn Korean. And initially, um, b- before this like you know, self-awareness journey of mine, I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. But then when I understood her as a person, you know, had, had that curiosity to understand what she wanted to do, I realized that it doesn't really matter if she excelled in English or not. Maybe it's for a test and maybe I'll help her ace that test, but it doesn't mean that I have to force her to love English as much as I do. And same for another student of mine who loves to study Japanese. does not like English at all. My best friend hated English. She just loves studying Chinese and Mandarin in particular. She does not like English. And previously I was kind of like, why don't you like English? It's so cool. I love it. But that love of learning a certain language of mine does not translate to somebody else's love of learning it. Um, and, you know, this kind of like that curiosity that we need to have, right? To yeah. ask people why they like what they like or what they actually want to do before we impose all of this knowledge on them. Because I think that's like a big part of the educational system in, in our culture, because I think Singapore and Vietnam are quite similar. I'm not sure about Australia, actually. I was I, I was uh, here for my, I, I, sorry, I'm still here. I studied my master's here, yes, um, but I'm not sure about the 
K to 12 system. So, you know, that's a question for somebody who did K to 12 here, I guess. It's just fascinating to me that this, these different, um, you know, cultural factors can impact us in the way that we think. And, and sometimes it comes with trauma, especially in early years in schools, because, you know, yeah. there are so many movies made about that and real stories told, you know. I know. It's, <sighs> yeah. I think sometimes yeah. when we think back about, you know, sometimes some parents come and they ask me about why do you think my child has this mindset? Why do you think they react to situations in this way? And... I would try and help them understand it by looking back at, okay, the child's experiences, how, what were some of the kind of expectations we might have put upon them, you know. And I, I, I love working with children to understand, okay, what are one of the questions I definitely would ask the children I work with them. What do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do? What are your interests? I definitely ask them all these questions because it's really to help them understand that it's about you you know, like what you want to do, you do have some control over it. Because a lot of times when it comes to me, they feel very frustrated with the situations they are in because they feel like they do not have control over the things that they are doing. And they just, and they can't help it because I have to do it anyway. So they just feel very frustrated with, with the situations they get into. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And this is important because if we don't nurture curiosity in ourselves, yeah. then the students and the young people will not want to have that curiosity either. So, yeah. you know, in, in a way, we're, we're nurturing curiosity by being curious ourselves. And that, I think that's super important. Um, and I think you mentioned technology earlier and you kind of said it's a double-edged sword. And, you know, <laughs> we briefly touched on that. Um, but let's look at the, the, the good side of it. The, it does bring a few good things, I believe. And so how do you feel um, and how do you think digital tools can help to nurture that inquisitiveness in students? Okay, so I think uh, now we are in this different age of technology. It is really wonderful. Because I can see that, you know, the all the visual stimuli or like the qualities that the technology have or like uh, just going up to the net to search for information, all this kind of level of learning they provide is kind of different from our traditional way of like you just sit down, you listen or you just look through your book. Yeah, I think it's a bit, it's much more immersive in that way, like. The, I find that using digital tools can help students to immerse more fully into learning. Yeah, so for for instance, uh, some teachers I've seen, they like to use like, um, they like to teach or educate the children in more like a game kind of method, true games. And those, I can see them thoroughly enjoying the experience of learning without them actually knowing that they're actually, you know, trying to learn all these new concepts they are being introduced to them. So like, I feel like using these types of technology tools or digital tools can really help children to learn more uh, with more pleasure, that's one, and also help them be much more involved in the learning process. Because I myself as someone who believed in learning, not just a traditional approach of like sitting there and listening, I believe that learning takes place when someone is involved or participating or engaged in that process itself. Yeah. So I feel like the digital tool has brought about these changes that made it possible through games or through even like virtual reality. I know these days, you know, yeah. or like all these things or like just getting the child to explore things that we don't already know. I mean, honestly, as teachers, Teachers don't know everything as well. So there are things that teachers might not know. But now learning is not just limited to the classroom environment, the physical environment itself, because we could then go up to the web. We could look, we could research, we could look for information. And I think that's how um, it's really beneficial in that, in that uh, sense. Yeah, definitely. If it's put to good use, definitely. Like just the way um, it's being designed, you know, like not just the tool itself, but um, the different... Uh, applications that it designs and the different ways to interact. Like I really like gamifying uh, the learning experience. I, I feel like for me personally, it makes it way more engaging. Um, and I remember when I was in my, uh, when I was doing my master's, I had this idea of gamifying your 
educational journey. Like this is not for younger uh, students. I had this idea. It's a pretty, I think it's a pretty cool idea, but I never went ahead with it because I talked to someone <laughs> about it. I think I talked to someone about it, but then they were like, oh yeah, that will require a lot of budget. And then that just like got shuffled to the rug. Um, but I was thinking about how, you know, like as um, young adults, we have like these sets of uh, subjects that we learn in school. But as you get older, especially when you do your undergrad or your master's or maybe even your PhD, it's a pretty big commitment and you want to learn and you want to get more out of your educational journey. But no one's going to force you to learn because especially when you're doing um, undergrad, you don't really, you're not required to be at university as much. It's mainly, you know, the time you actually spend studying and working on your assignments or doing real projects or even doing real internships. There's really no nudge for that. And sometimes you don't know where to look. So I had this idea of designing this game gaming system where um, it's going to be, let's say, university here. I think it's undergrad is three years. Um, in Vietnam, it's four years. And so if it's designed in a, like a leveling kind of system, um, you can start at the same, you know, at the same level and yeah. you go through the same sort of subjects and things you have to learn. But on top of that, you also have, you know, um, a, like, I don't know, stars or badges for uh, doing an internship or, you know, getting a coffee with a professional. That counts, right? Yeah. Building a professional profile. Yes. I think it's just cool. You know, it would be really cool if we could no, do no. that. And it'll, it'll encourage people to, to to take education seriously while also not taking it too seriously. Yeah, you're, like, you're enjoying the process. You're exactly. Just, you know, going through it because everyone yeah. is going through it. Or like, yeah. I have through it. Yeah, yeah exactly. That, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe I can do that. You know, my, maybe that'll be my calling to design that game before I die. <laughs> that'll, I'll that'll look be forward fun. to that. I'll look forward to that. Just let me know yeah. if you manage to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I will. I will. Yeah. The, you, this conversation is reminding me of that idea I had. So I like that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay. On a more serious note, we have talked a lot about curiosity and students and, you know, how that would mean in practice and how that would be beneficial. We know that it's important, but the big question and the last question in this part is how can educators help to nurture that curiosity? Because as we said, the role of educators is super important. It's tip top important in this scenario. It can make or break the students' curiosity. You know, they can come out of the classroom feeling really energized and curious or they feel they feel a little bit more traumatized and they just feel like okay I need to react to the situation to protect myself and to run away from certain things it's kind of like acting out of fear rather than curiosity so how can we reverse that um well this is not going to be easy <laughs> but I'm sure it's worth doing so I think there's a few things but one of the things that come to my mind as the first thing that should happen is that I think within the educational setting, teachers' mindset might need to shift, you know, like how they teach students, how they engineer the environment to facilitate learning that's important. And I think first and foremost, foremost teachers also need to learn to model curiosity. Yeah, so that's not easy if you're not used to this way of learning. Yeah, but they need to learn to model how you might ask questions, you know. And when you set up your classroom uh, or like set up certain topics that you're covering, you are not, you need to ensure that you're not just talking about the facts. You're also inviting the children to ask questions, you know. And it can be children to children, you know, and you need to also be prepared to take on um, different types of learning formats. For example, it's not just teacher-directed learning. Some of the activities need to very much be, very much be student-directed. Let them think about things. Let them talk about it. Let them ask questions, you know. So I think that does involve a little bit of a mindset change if you are not already having this idea of education in that way. So education doesn't necessarily be have to be a person who knows a lot imparting the knowledge to another person there, but it can be through a more fluid and interactive process. I think we need to recognize that, you know, that 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 kind of thing need to change. So allow students to take the lead. But another thing that I would also encourage is that I think as teachers, um, we should also take note of what 
our students are interested in? What is the key to spark the interest? How can we inspire them to enjoy the process as well? So like within um, learning activities itself, you want to embed your interest in it, you know, or you want to do it in a really more engaging format, like gamification, right? You want to do it in those ways. You want to engage them in the learning process. That's how, there's another way that you can cultivate curiosity. Once they are interested in it, they are going to naturally ask more questions. They are going to learn better. They are going to participate better. Yeah. And another thing that can be done is probably like sometimes, uh, a lot of times I know in Singapore, like how homeworks are given is like, it's just really dry, boring stack of worksheets, you know, that's kind of things. But I think we could also give um, little mini projects that can spark curiosity, like just giving the students a little topic. Okay, for this week, your work is to find out about this thing. And then they go and research it on their own. They present it to the class, you know, or they come back and they share ideas. I think those things are really helpful as well in terms of like sparking that curiosity in children, helping them see curiosity as a part of learning and helping them see that learning can be enjoyable is actually not always dry and boring and actually learning should be fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. Learning should be fun. Yeah. That's so important. Yeah. We need to make it more fun. I mean, we learn all the time, right? And then I think as adults, we learn all the time and then we know what is fun for us and we know what is just so not fun. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know about <laughs> you, but I, I, I like, I like learning through bite-sized information where, you know, like, um, I, I love educational videos because it's just engaging for me. Um, I like learning through a book, um, but, you know, an audio book, uh, because that's, you know, that means I can incorporate some exercise into learning. And maybe these things should be applied to the educational setting as well, where, you know, instead of saying, oh, you need to finish reading this chapter, uh, what if some students are just audible learner, you know, so... Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's um it's an interesting question for the educators out there, but the key is definitely to make learning fun and engaging to spark that curiosity. So thank you for sharing that. Now we've covered probably I think most of the theoretical part of this conversation. So let's get a bit more practical. So we have this practice um, debrief section. <laughs> now we're going to talk about something super practical and hands-on that our audience can well, try. I think because our audience are probably not young adults, as far as I know, um, they might be a little bit older and yeah. our audience are not students uh, going to school. Um, but we as adults can help. So, you know, obviously we all interact with uh, young people in our own ways. I'm sure, I don't know about you, but I have a lot of nieces and nephews I can talk to. Um, yep. So this this might be a good opportunity to take a practice that we can do ourselves, but we can also share the practice with young people to spark and foster curiosity. So what is a practice that you personally do to foster curiosity <laughs> that we can all learn from? Um, this might sound kind of funny. I don't know. Okay. It might not be applicable if you want. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, myself, okay, so um, I'm married. My husband is someone who has a lot of curiosity about things. Okay. And sometimes he's, he's a very rational and logical thinker and sometimes too rational for me. <laughs> <laughs> so what I do sometimes is that let's say if I any workshops coming up, you know, things like that, I create the slides and everything, you know, like, um, and then I bring it to him. I ask him to look through it for me and ask me questions that he has so that okay. with my curiosity. Yeah. You know, okay. like, oh, there's like, why didn't I think of this before? Like, I think just like talking to people sometimes about things that you are curious about can help with that yeah. like he he definitely asked me lots of um difficult questions that sometimes makes me think like ah oh, why did it come to you in the first place but <laughs> it's helpful it's helpful <laughs> um, so that's for me but I think another thing that we could do um personally is probably to set time aside to explore things so you can think about things that um you want to work on or you it, it, new things that you want to learn you know and set time aside for that I think that that would be something that everyone can practice. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's really good because, I mean, no one tells us how to structure our days as adults. We can do whatever we want, right? So 
it's up to us if we want to build that time in and for students i guess that's actually just um, in building that curiosity while they are working on homework or assignments um, instead of thinking oh i have to deliver this assignment they can start to get actually get curious about the topic that they're working on and set aside like because um, I, i don't know about you but when i was uh, doing my uh, masters i had freak out hours So now that I think about it, I could have just uh, turned those freak out hours into curiosity hours where yeah. I actually get curious about what I was learning um, to, to, to do and what I was trying to convey in the essays, the assignments. That would make it, that would have made it more fun. But, you know, obviously in hindsight, everything is easier. So I guess, you know, this is for um, the next generation or for the people that need this right now. Otherwise, you know, adults can benefit from this too. Yeah. I guess, you know, an hour of learning every day is not that much. Yeah. I yeah. think I think sometimes as adults, we just get too comfortable with where we are. Yep. So I think sometimes totally. we need to um, kind of like push ourselves a little bit out of our comfort zone, get totally. uncomfortable with things, try something. Yeah. 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 And it doesn't have to be so serious, you know, because learning yeah. can happen through so many different mediums, right? Um, my learning hour can be sitting down with a book and read that book. Um, somebody else's learning hour could be uh, browsing TikTok for it because yeah. maybe that maybe they do have uh, educational videos that you can learn from. I actually had a, I never used TikTok until one day I was like, oh, people are using it so much. Let, let me see what it's about. So I went on TikTok and I tried to find psychology video. And you know what? I actually found quite a few good videos on psychology <laughs> on TikTok. Yeah, I did. It's pretty cool. So it's actually up to you what you want to do with it. Yeah. It doesn't matter which tool it is. It's just what you want to do with the tool. Because yeah, instead of watching random videos, I'm like, okay, let me find some psychology videos. They're there. Yeah. They're all there. It's great. <laughs> okay, great. So thank you for sharing your practice. Um, obviously, as you said, it's not applicable to everyone, but the second practice is probably more applicable to, you know, to set aside time for learning. Um, that's really good. Um, so yeah, I've, I've learned a lot about this topic and I think I, I get a really nice reminder as well. Because as I said, it's been a while since I went to any kind of school. Um, but education is never ending. And I, I think in a way yeah. we're all students. So, you know, this is not just about nurturing curiosity in students who are studying right now, but also in the student in us. I think we all have a student in us. We're always learning. So yeah, this is a really nice topic. Um, so thank you for sharing all of that. And before we let you go, we have open mic. So this is your platform to share anything you're passionate about. Um, and this could be related to today's topic. It could be completely different from today's topic. So go for it. The floor is all yours. Well, um, because I work with students, so really my interests or my passions really got a lot to do with the, the current student population. So um, in the recent years, I've been really interested in growth mindset. And I do see that a lot of the clients I see, a lot of the students that come to me, they have troubles or they have difficulties adopting this kind of mindset. So what what I would what I would like to actually encourage people to do is more I actually encourage parents to do is that cultivating mindsets as from young. So I hope that I can, you know take this opportunity to actually tell parents out there that, you know, when your child is young, that's the best time for you to cultivate cultivate the mindset, those growth mindset in them. So sometimes I think we need to let go of certain things within ourselves. For example, it's okay to make mistakes. We have to, like as parents, don't be too quick to fix the problem for your kid. You know, so I really would like to encourage a lot of parents to think about um, the way that we can, you know, interact with our children to promote this mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. That's that's a really good thing to think about more of, and not just parents. You know, like in in everyone, yes. right? Because we interact with um, we interact with young people too. Um, all of us uh, to a certain extent, and um, sometimes the parents might not notice this, and so the aunties and the uncles can help. That's what I do. I try yeah. to understand how my um, how my cousins are, you know, raising their children, and I'm like, oh, I got just to get curious. And I think it's good to to nurture that in in talking to them, and even talking with friends who have children. Um, 
young children, especially, it's really good to talk about these things because education does not just come from schools. It yeah. comes from people around the children too. Yeah. yeah. So I, I see a lot like, um, I think in this current age where everybody is really getting busy on their, with their life, I think sometimes we do neglect that, you know, other than just focusing on the academics, focusing on things that we are actually seeing on paper, on certificates, I think we also need to focus on these things that we don't usually see, you know, yeah. and having, like we said, having that healthy balance is important, you know. Totally. Yeah, so it's not just about how well the child is doing academically, it's also about their well-being, their emotional health, their psychological health. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's such a nice message to close with. And it's also kind of on topic because growth mindset and curiosity go together. So, yeah, thank you for being here. And, Thanks for um, having me. Yeah, I hope our audience learns a thing or two today about curiosity. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling, feeling more curious already. <laughs> <laughs> you have been listening to Doing Well, the Wellbeing Science Insights podcast produced by the Wellbeing Science Labs a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes are available from 10 Life Management Perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other podcasting apps available on your devices. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, share, and subscribe to our channel so that other people can find it and we can continue to provide quality content. More of our work can be found on our website, we.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Lungo. Thanks for tuning in.